Well, good morning, church. He is risen. Let's do that more enthusiastically. He is risen. Let me give a shout out to all the folks sitting in overflow. We ran out of room in overflow. And uh, so I saw some of my neighbors over there again at nine o'clock and then again this morning at 1045. And I wanna just say a word to those watching online and maybe those of you who couldn't get in today or you're on your way home now or out to lunch and you're watching online, we're so glad that you're listening in. It is truly humbling to preach on Easter Sunday. I was moved emotionally this week as I reflected back over 40 years of preaching on Easter Sunday. Doesn't get any better than this, preaching about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We just finished a sermon series called Jesus is Greater. It was a powerful series as we looked at Old Testament figures and how Jesus was greater than them. Adam, Noah, Abraham, and David, the greatest king in the Old Testament. But we, we talked in each of those sermons that Jesus is greater. Today, I wanna make the case that I believe that Jesus is the greatest of all time. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Jesus is the greatest of all time. Now, we debate in the culture among sports, entertainment, who's the greatest, right? Is it LeBron or is it Michael Jordan? There you go, Jordan. I'm, I'm a Jordan guy. Is it Whitney Houston or Celine Dion? Tiger Woods or Jack Nicholas? Come on, Jack. <laughs> Just because you're old doesn't mean you're not the greatest of all time. Meryl Streep or Katherine Hepburn? There you go. Hank Aaron or Babe Ruth? Hey, I think you were split on that one. Now, when we measure the greatest of all time in the culture, entertainment, sports, they're measured by their success, by their statistics by their status, and being second to no one. Jesus never led a nation. He never was league MVP. He never received an Oscar. He didn't win a Super Bowl. But I contend today that Jesus was the greatest of all time because of his surrender, because of his service, because of his suffering, because of his sacrifice, and his supreme victory over the power of sin, over the power of death, and over the power of hell. Yeah. Amen? Amen. He is the greatest of all time. Now, I want to read to you uh, from uh, 1 Corinthians. Chad read earlier the Easter story from Matthew. If you're able to stand, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Paul speaking in his letter to the Corinthians. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as as the scripture said, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. I also saw him. That is my prayer today 
that the word of God will speak to you and that you will also hear and receive Jesus Christ. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Father God, help us to lift up the name of Jesus Christ, your son and our savior as the greatest of all time. May he receive all glory and honor for everything that is said, everything that is done here, throughout churches in Lexington, the Midlands, South Carolina, the U.S., and the world. May Jesus Christ be glorified on this Easter Sunday. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Jesus is the greatest of all time because he died for your sins. He died for the sins of the world. Jesus is the greatest of all time because he was buried, but yet on the third day he rose from the dead, just as the scriptures said. Jesus is the greatest of all time because he had the greatest love of all time. Jesus said in John 15, 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. No greater love defined and demonstrated by Jesus Christ. Time Magazine wrote one time, the single most powerful figure, not merely in these two millenniums, but in all of human history has been Jesus of Nazareth a serious argument can be made that no one else's life has proved remotely as powerful and enduring as that of Jesus. The Bible states that Jesus Christ is the greatest of all time. There are many in our culture that agree that Jesus is the greatest of all time. Now, Muhammad Ali, how many remember him? He made the claim that he was the greatest of all time. He was a great boxer. He was a great showman. Muhammad Ali was bigger than life, but not bigger than death. His body is still in the ground at Cave Hill Cemetery in Louisville, Kentucky. Jesus is the greatest of all time because his body is not in the tomb. His body is resurrected. He has ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Now, Jesus made some pretty bold claims too. He claimed to be God in the flesh. And that's one of the reasons he got crucified. Jesus claimed to have authority to forgive people's sins. That is what got him crucified as well. He claimed to be the exclusive way to God. Not one of many ways, but the only way to God. That's an exclusive claim, especially in our world today. Jesus said and declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. He claimed three days after he would die that he would rise from the dead. He made some bold claims. And when you're the greatest of all time, you can make those claims, especially when you can back them up. I love what C.S. Lewis, the great apologist, in response to someone who says, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. See, there's a lot of people today that want to accept Jesus as a great teacher a great prophet, but they stop there. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He goes on to say, that is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would have not been a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on, the, on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. 
You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Jesus intends for us to worship him as the greatest of all time. There is no other name greater than the name of Jesus. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter two, because of this, because of this, because of his life, <clears throat> because of his sacrifice, because of his crucifixion, because of his resurrection, because of this, God lifted Jesus high above everything else. He gave him a name that is greater than any other name. So when the name of Jesus is spoken, <clears throat> Everyone in heaven and earth and under the earth will bow down before him and every tongue will say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone will give him honor to God the Father. He gave him a name that is greater than any other name. That's good enough for me to call Jesus the greatest of all time. Now we know that when Jesus began his ministry, his earthly ministry, he had 12 followers, 12 disciples, and one of those, if you followed along during Holy Week, we know that one of those named Judas betrayed him. So he was down to 11. And yet today, all over this world, there are more than 2.3 billion people who profess Jesus Christ as the greatest of all time. 2.3 billion people who are worshiping on Easter Sunday that Jesus Christ is resurrected. That's amazing. 2.3 billion people that believe that his name is greater than any other name. Now let's put that in perspective, 2.3 billion followers of Jesus Christ. Now I had somebody check the math on me because that's not my best thing. But that's seven times larger than the population of the United States. Seven times larger than this vast country that we think is the best country on the planet. Five billion Bibles have been printed. Five billion Bibles with the gospel message that Jesus Christ is the greatest of all time. Now, I believe that one of the reasons that Jesus Christ is the greatest of all times is because he gave the greatest gift of all time. Jesus came to pay a debt he didn't know because we owed a debt we could not pay. A debt we could not pay and so Jesus came to give that gift. I want to take a minute and walk back into the Old Testament with you. In the Old Testament of the Bible, there was a sacrificial system. And on the Day of Atonement, there were some instructions that were to be followed. I want to pick it up in Leviticus 16. I've never preached from Leviticus on Easter Sunday, but here it goes. Then he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat on which the lot of the Lord falls and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot falls to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement with it, that it may be sent away as a scapegoat into the wilderness. So there's two goats, got the picture, right? Greatest of all time goat. You, you, I know you'd make that connection. There was the goat that would be slain for the forgiveness of sins. And there, there was the scapegoat 
where the sins of Israel will be placed upon that goat, upon the, the goat that would redeem. And, and the scapegoat was sent into the wilderness so that the people's sins would go away. Now, atonement means reconciliation between God and his people. And then we move into the New Testament that Jesus Christ came as the Lamb of God to be slain to take away the sins of the world. There is no more need for a goat to be sacrificed because Jesus Christ is God's Lamb that suffered on a cross. His blood was shed so that our sins can be forgiven. But not just that. The Bible says that all of our sins were laid on him as our scapegoat. In Isaiah 53, we have all wandered like sheep. Somebody say amen to that. All of us are sinners. Each of us has gone his own way, but the Lord has put on him the punishment for all the evil we have done. That is good news. That's what we celebrate on Easter. Now, two theological words, and I got Bryce up here on the front row if I stumble. Expiation. Expiation means in Jesus, our sins are covered. Our sins are forgiven. Our sins are forgotten. Our sins are removed. It's how atonement affects us. It is Jesus becoming our scapegoat where he takes away our sins. And the Bible says he spreads our sins as far as the east is to the west. Gone. Isn't that good news today? Because all of us need a savior. And then there's propitiation. That, that's a, the atonement, the sacrifice of Jesus' blood that satisfies the justice of God, the holiness of God, the righteousness of, righteousness of God. You see, our sins are serious to God and our sins separate us from God. But thanks be to God, he sent his son to be the lamb of God to take away our sins and that's why today is a celebration that we worship a savior that was slain and a savior that was raised, amen? If you've confessed your sins to God and you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, you are forgiven. And God will never recall the iniquities, the mistakes, the evil, the wrong that you've done. Now, the evil one will remind you all the time of what you've done in your past. And yet God says in his word, it's forgiven and forgotten. Let it go. Let it go. You've been forgiven. You know, I love if you go to the uh, Holy Land and they tell the story of the scapegoat. They, they will tell the story of when the scapegoat was led out into the wilderness across the Kidron Valley, that there were priests stationed along the hilltops with a white flag all the way back to the Mount of Olives and as, as the scapegoat was led into the wilderness to its des, uh, designation or destination, then, then when it got there, a priest would yell back to the next priest these words, it is finished. They pass it to the next one, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. And what was the last words that Jesus said on the cross? It is finished. It is finished. Our sins have been forgiven. Jesus takes away the stench of sin and the sting of death. The stench of sin and the sting of death. I love what it says also in, in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Uh, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? 
O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest gift of all time, victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ takes away the stench of our sin and the sting of death. I love the story. It's an old story. I bring it out of retirement here. It's a story of a, of a, of a father and his young son driving out in the country. Windows were down in the car and a bumblebee flew in to the car. And, and, the, and the boy who had a severe allergic reaction to bee stings got terrified. The father, knowing his fear, reached out his hand and grabbed the bumblebee in his hand and held on to it. The boy calmed down. And then the father released the bumblebee back into the car. Again, the boy got petrified. Ted! And, and then the father said to the son, look at my hand. And in the father's hand was a stinger. He said, I took the sting for you. It's okay. You see, Jesus Christ took the sting out of death. And that's why when we lose someone we love on this planet and we know they've gone to be with the father, it takes away the sting. It still hurts. We still grieve, but we don't grieve without hope because we know that we will see that person again because of the power of the resurrection, because of the greatest gift that's ever been given, taking away the stench of sin and the sting of death. Now, I've never met LeBron James. I've never met Michael Jordan. I did see Tiger Woods through the ropes this past Thursday. <laughs> I never met Muhammad Ali or the greatest preacher of all time, Billy Graham. But in 1969, I personally met the greatest of all time when I was introduced to Jesus Christ. I invited Jesus to come into my life and he changed me. He changed my purpose. He changed my direction. He changed my future and he took away my fear of death. As a 14 year old, I was scared to death of death. But when I met Jesus Christ, I knew I could go to sleep at night and not be afraid of what would happen if I didn't wake up because Jesus took away the sting of death. And he has come to give you his gift, the gift of redemption. Jesus Christ has paid the ransom, releasing you from the bondage of sin and death. You know, Ephesians 1, 7 says, in Christ we are set free by the blood of his death, so we have forgiveness of sins. How rich is God's grace. I want you to know what Jesus Christ came to give you. The greatest of all time came to give you the greatest gift of all time. He came to give you victory over sin. It doesn't have to defeat you. He came to give you victory over death. You don't have to fear death. He came to give you the gift of eternal life. He came to give you a new identity, to be born again, to become a new person, a new creation in Christ. He came to give you a new purpose. There is purpose when you follow Christ as you live for him and live out his purpose based on his kingdom and his initiatives to change the world. I believe that we make a case that Jesus is the greatest of all time because he gave the greatest gift of all time. But thirdly, he's the greatest of all time because Jesus made the greatest comeback of all time. He made the greatest comeback of all time. Again, reading our text this morning from 1 Corinthians 15, 
that Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12, and after that he was seen by more than 500 of the followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles, and last of all, though as though I was born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Jesus had their greatest comeback of all time. Until death, until Jesus, death was undefeated. Until Jesus, death was undefeated. Now you say, well, what about Lazarus? Didn't Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Yes, he did, but then Lazarus had to die again. Not Jesus. When Jesus made the greatest comeback of all time and rose from the tomb on the third day, he was with his disciples for 40 days and then he ascended into heaven. And where is Jesus at right now? The Bible says he's seated at the right hand of God, interceding for me and interceding for you. And I prayed before I came out on this stage, dear Jesus, help me today. And dear Jesus, speak to your people today because he's listening right now, because he lives, amen? He lives, he lives, he lives. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I want you to know that Christianity, to follow Jesus Christ, requires faith. You, you gotta step out in faith and believe the accounts of Scripture. But I don't believe it's a blind faith. I believe that the Scripture record proves that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I believe that history has shown that Jesus Christ is the greatest of all time. As I look across this room, I see faces of people that I know over the last many years who your, your life has been transformed. Your life has been changed by Jesus Christ because he lives in your heart, he lives in your soul, and he's made you into a different person and you give your life to him in service. You know, years ago, Sports Illustrated had an article on the greatest comebacks of all time. They talked about Muhammad Ali. They talked about some of the World Series with the greatest comeback in a, in, a, in a World Series in a seventh game. They talked about even in history how Japan and Germany had a great comeback after being devastated by World War II. But this is what they concluded on their list of greatest comebacks. Jesus Christ is number one because he confounds his critics and stuns the Roman authorities with his resurrection. The greatest comeback of all time. And I can tell you, church, as I walked around today and, and saw people being turned away today because we had no more room here to, to, for people to be seated, it, it broke my heart but also it reminds me that Jesus Christ still confounds his critics. The world right now is very critical of Jesus, very critical of faith, but he still stuns the authorities. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the greatest of all time. And folks, Jesus Christ will have the final say. In the resurrection, God did only what God can do. And today, if you're listening, I want you to know it's not too late for your comeback. Maybe you face setback after setback, failure after failure, brokenness after brokenness, addiction after addiction. But I want you to know your setbacks have set you up for God to give you your greatest comeback. 
it's not too late. I read a quote this past week that really jumped out at me from Emil Bruner. What oxygen is for the lungs, such is hope for the meaning of life. We all know that in this room or wherever we're listening from, we need air to breathe, but we also need hope. Today, we live in a world that's full, full of hopelessness. There is despair everywhere. People are questioning faith, questioning if there's a God, questioning if Jesus Christ is real, challenging the church, challenging the movement of Christianity. And I would ask us, how's that working for us? I believe in Jesus Christ. There's hope for this world, that God is not done with this world. In 1 Peter, we read these words, let us give let us thank the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was through his loving kindness that we were born again into a new life and have a hope that never dies. This hope is ours. Why? Because Jesus was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead. You know, God was not doomed when Jesus was placed in the tomb. He was just getting started. And no matter what you've done with your life, you're not doomed. God is not done with you. If you're listening to these words, God is just beginning a work in you. God's grace is bigger than the grave. God's grace is bigger than any failure. God's grace makes a way when there seems like there is no way. And God's grace provides a light when it seems like there is no light. And I want you to hear this. When it comes to comebacks, the greatest comeback of all time, comebacks are not limited to this earth. Comebacks are not limited to this time and space because there's going to come a time when all of us face our last breath. And then by the grace of God, the love of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God, the grace of God, we will experience the greatest comeback ever. We will experience the power of resurrection. We'll experience new life. And we'll hear these words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your reward. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the greatest of all time. Why? Because Jesus Christ gave the greatest gift of all time. Why? Because Jesus made the greatest comeback of all time. Will you receive this gift today? I want to pray with you right now. Will you bow your heads? Father God, thank you that you sent Jesus Christ into this world because you love this world. And Lord, on the cross, Jesus Christ had me and everyone listening on his mind. And Lord, I know your word tells us that if we will confess our sins, if we will repent and turn away from our sins and, and believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross, paid a penalty for our sins, and on the third day rose from the dead, he has the power to forgive our sins. And that right now, as I confess my sins, that you will forgive me. And not just forgive me, Father God, you will give me a new beginning. You will give me a new life. And Father, I pray that prayer right now for many listening. That right now, sins are being washed away. Sins are being taken away. And new life is beginning. Hope is being restored. Lord, thank you 
for the gift of resurrection. Thank you for the gift of grace. And I ask all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen and amen.